ask you what social network you just saw, probably 90-some percent of us would say what? Thank you. I did some research on you guys this week. Uh-oh. My name is Matt. Welcome to Connection. First and foremost, I think Jack hit the nail on the head. There's been a lot of pain and a lot of struggle going through this church with our body of believers, with our family. Yes, if you're a visitor with us, you are our guest, you are part of our family right now. Welcome. Welcome, you're a part of a family. But I want to talk to you about something. There's a lot of pain and there's a lot of hurt. Now, I haven't scientifically studied this. I haven't, I haven't got a concrete answer, but this in my life is what happens. Oftentimes I find this. Number one, if you feel like your world is caving in and Satan is just attacking you, attacking you, attacking you, I want to remind you of something. He's probably not going to mess with the person that has idle hands spiritually. He's going to mess with those who are attempting to spread God's love in this world. And I read in Luke this week, and I don't, man, listen, this, this, this passage is just crazy because it literally says, Jesus says, guys, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says, when you have stuff or pain that comes in your life, he says this, he says you should leap for joy. Crazy. That's nuts. Think about it. Can you imagine, remember the last time you had a flat tire? I hope you no one had a flat tire this morning. Maybe not this week. I hope not. You can remember back to your last flat tire or being in a car with somebody with a flat tire. Did you or did you not wake up that morning and say, God, would you please give me a flat tire today? No, you didn't. And if, if, you, if you did, I don't know why. But here, anyway, here's the deal. If you have a cell phone, I want you to get it out. I'm serious. I don't care if it's in your purse. I don't care if it's in your pocket. Now, there are rules. Silent. Now, I've also had Josh install a really cool program that any activity on the internet that we do is recorded. So I just go back and I find out the people that have been on Facebook the whole time while I'm trying to preach. And then, I, and, then I, and then I point sermons at you. No, I don't do that, okay? <laughs> Some of you are going to go home. He's stolen our identity. We did not steal your identity. We are going to use this today because this is a problem. This is a problem. It's a problem to me. It's a problem to you. Today we're going to look at the world of social media. Now we're talking about freedoms. The, the month of July we're talking about freedom. Last week... We talked about the freedom from our past, that Jesus Christ died for our sin, and right now, you can have freedom from your past. Today, we, we, we are going to talk about, if you've seen the topic, if you've seen the title of the sermon in your worship handout, freedom to live a content life. Matt, that word doesn't exist. Some of it's already going through your head. It doesn't exist. It's not okay. It's, it's not something that can happen. I'm going to hopefully, with, with the help of this book and God's guidance, I'm going to show you why you think that word is completely impossible to achieve. I'm going to show you. 
If you do not use social media, this sermon is still for you. Some of you are, what is social media? (laughs) Social media, things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I've already lost some of you, it's okay. It's a way of networking worldwide with people by the click and push of a button, post, status, tweets, retweets, hashtags. Okay, everybody, everybody with me, we're going to do an exercise. This is going to be a cardio sermon. Everybody do this, make two peace signs, and I want you to go, hashtag. All right, now hashtag is, a, it looks really close to a tic-tac-toe board with italics. <laughs> Otherwise known as the pound sign. Or an octothorpe. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Now, listen, we're going to use these today. Please, please just... I want you, see, look, look at this. I got a Facebook, see that? Somebody, see, somebody sees me, I'm going to call that, no, I'm not going to call that person out. Listen, listen, somebody has activated my Facebook instantly. Next week, if you, have, if you, if you think that this is a relevant issue with you, with, with social media, I want you to come back next week. There are new words that are being added to Webster's Dictionary because of the social media. It will scare you to death. It will scare you to death. I'm going to give you an example of one of them. There is a new word that's been added to the dictionary, of Webster's Dictionary. It's four letters. F-O-M-O. FOMO. Anybody have a clue what it is? It's the fear of missing out. I'm dead serious. This is not, this is not funny to me. This is, a, this is a thing. You know why? I have, I'm having trouble right now. My finger starts to twitch like this. Because I know that somebody added me on Facebook, and I'm going. Now, some of you, some of you are thinking this. Oh, this is this is not a big deal. I can control it. Okay. I'm going to give you to those of you that do not operate on social media. I'm going to give you some things to understand. You're going to hear some verbiage that you may not have heard. It's going to help you connect with your younger daughters, your younger sons, your kids, your grandkids. There's things to learn in this. And there's some biblical truth behind all of this. And I hope that that's what we hear today. Yeah, it's fun. We get to hang out with our... I mean, oh, the pastor used a phone at church today. <laughs> this is relevant. Just, just show hands. How many people in here have a cell phone? Hello. You think that's relevant? Now, we're going to go on. At Connection, we, we use social media. Now, get me, hear me, please. We will use the leverage of social media to spread, this, to spread the love of Jesus Christ in a relevant and relaxed way on the Internet without shame. But, I'm going to include myself in this that I have been drug in, sucked in, to having a complete addiction with this. I feel tethered to this. Some of you are already shaking your head like, yeah, I know exactly what you're feeling. If you do not think you do, why don't you take your cell phone and just put it under your seat? Don't touch it till we're done. Look, see, nobody moved. Now, <laughs> we're going to talk about how to live a freedom uh, to have freedom in a, and live a content life. And some of us think this is impossible. Now listen, you have to hear this. I'm not going to keep you here to 1 o'clock today. I promise. It says this. 
I can't be content. This is somebody, somebody saying this. I can't be content. Matt, look at my car. Look at my lack of car. Look at my house. Maybe it's this or it's this. It's not the newest. It's not the best. I can't be content unless I have the new. Do you hear this lie that's already resonating in your head? I can't. Number one, if you've had me in class, there's some people that have had me in in PE class, and they understand that I think C-A-N apostrophe T is almost a cuss word. I don't like it because it's like, I just don't want to try. Can't yet. Can't yet. I can't be content unless I have the brand new, the nice, the great, the awesome. We've already raised our cell phones up. I know everybody has this. Okay, I'm not going to call out somebody that does something on their phone because we use our phone with our worship handouts. But do you know that left alone, this phone is not the problem? Look. Okay, um, unless, I activate, unless I activate Siri and tell her what to do, that friend is not going to get added. And no, I haven't added them. Look, I'm not going insane. It's okay. The cell phone is not the problem. But to some of us, and I want to get very real with you real quick, but to some of us, sitting through our job, sitting through a four-minute ride to the store, sitting through a church service, or sitting through a meal without using this thing is absolutely impossible, and it's not good. There's a new thing now, I know you're going to hear this. Well, all Matt doesn't look at Facebook. There's a new, uh, some of you have seen it. If you eat with a group of people, you all put your cell phones, leave the ringers on just in case. Because they'll all go off. Put, if you have four people, stack four phones up face down. First one to touch their phone buys a meal for all four of them. If you're addicted to your cell phone, do not try that. You will lose money. It seems impossible. We find ourselves, listen, I find myself tethered to this thing. You know what became a realization to me this week? Listen to me. I'm going to be very honest with you. Some people are going to say, oh, this isn't relevant. This isn't scriptural. Listen to me. Watch this. There are some times in my life that if I left either my cell phone or my Bible at home, my mind says, go get your cell phone first. And then some of people in here, oh, I have a Bible on my phone. Okay, that's not the point. You're going to go grab this, aren't you? We have been, we have been, this has been welded into us. It, we can't. Some of us feel like this. But you know what? It's, it's all smiles. Some of us inside are going, I can't quit this. I can't. I'm going to tell you something. This is just one little thing, and we're going to talk about one little thing today that's completely affecting your ability to be content. It is wrecking it. Now, I brought my phone up here to make a point. Normally, on every other Sunday, I don't know that I've ever had it in my pocket. Usually, it's over there, it's on silent, it's in that room, and I don't touch it during the service. Not one time have I had a mental breakdown not one time have, have I have been taken to the hospital because of lack of texting. 
If you have Facebook, this is what you do. Now, we, we, mentioned, we mentioned Facebook. Some people, this is all they do. I talked to a lady this week. And she said, I don't really get on Facebook a whole lot, but when I find myself alone, I may go an hour or two hours, and all I'm doing is scrolling through Facebook or Pinterest. Think about it. Think about your own life. I'm not going to... Listen, I have my own struggle with this. And there's, a, there's, there's, there's been a separation that we're trying to implant into our house with this thing. Now watch. Some of this, this is all we do. We look to be content by scrolling through Facebook. Don't we? Oh, wow. It usually goes this fast. Oh, is that, what the heck? They got a new car. Figures. Did you see where this person is on vacation? Hey, you're laughing because this happens in your house. Isn't it sad? Think about it. How can you be content when everything you see, you compare yourself to on Facebook? There's some statistics that I'm going to share with you later in this sermon. (laughs) It's going to scare you a little bit. We look to be content by scrolling through Facebook. If you have a pen, or you have your worship handout, or you have your phone and you have notes on it and you want to write this down, write this down. It's not on the screen. Write this down. You will never, you will never be content. Listen to this. You will never be content comparing your everyday with someone's highlight reel on Facebook. You won't do it. Well, how do you, how do you, how do you know that? We'll get to that. You will never be content comparing your everyday with someone's highlight reel on Facebook. And some of you are like, what are you, what are you talking about? We'll get there. Contentment comes from one place and one place alone. God. Not comparing ourselves and lives with other people. See, if we had this conversation with God straight up, He would say, you're trying to find contentment by comparing yourself to someone that's not me. That's exactly what He would say. You don't need to compare yourself with other people or their vacations or their houses or their cars. Compare yourself to me so I can change how you look till you look like my son Jesus. That's how I want to change your life. That's when we can find contentment. So if you have this piece of paper, this is called your worship handout. If you want to flip that in right here, just flip it open to the first page, you're going to have a blank to fill out. Check out this screen right here. Look at this. Do you struggle with being content? Now, you know, the, the joke about the phone, the joke about Facebook, are we going to use it? Are you going to add your friend while he's on stage? Listen, no. Here's the deal. Some of you see this question and it burns a hole right through you. I can't be content. I've never been content. Do you struggle with being content? This is a problem for us in America. Now, I had, a, I had everybody raise their hands with everybody that has a cell phone. If you, if you drove, just if you drove, or you rode in a car that your family owns or is paying for, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, put them down. I want, you to, I, want you, I want you to hear something real quick. I told you some statistics that were going to scare you. I told this to some people yesterday. If you have, 
driven your vehicle or rode in your vehicle to this church this morning, statistics say, depending on where you check it out at, you are among the top 5% wealthiest people in this entire world. 5%. Hey, guess what? For the first time, we're all in the same category as Steve Jobs. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I'm already in there. Well, good. Come talk to me later. We've got some stuff we can do here. Listen, we struggle to be content, and we think, I need the best. I need this. I need this. And that statistic, when I heard it this week, slapped me in the face, and it might as well have been a shovel. 5% of the world, 5% have a vehicle. 5 You're thinking, well, I don't have a car. It doesn't affect me. How about this? If you have running water in your house, you're among the top 75% of the world. You're richer than 75% of the entire world because you have running water. First word problems, huh? Hashtag. Some of you have no idea what that means. We'll talk later. 5% wealthiest people in the world, but what do we do? We keep scrolling through Facebook. We seek to be content we think, what can make us content? What do we do? It's insanity. Go right back to Facebook. Oh, good, they're having a bad day today. That makes me feel better. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is real. This is real. Contentment is hard to find unless you choose to find it. We compare with everyone else. We see all the nice stuff that they have. Watch this. Guys or girls that like to fish... You see your buddy post a picture of the big fish that they caught. Oh, we caught three little fish like this. He, go, he always catches a big fish. You see the great big deer that somebody shot. You saw the limited ducks or geese. You, or you saw the new wreath on somebody's door. You saw the new color scheme in their living room. I'm not trying to start any fights between husbands and wives with Facebook this morning. But here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with big fish or big deer or limits of ducks and geese or color schemes in a room or new cars or new houses or new things. I like all of that stuff. But if you're struggling to find contentment, stop comparing your everyday with highlight reels that you see on Facebook. I'll explain that later. For most of us, if we took a selfie, everybody know what a selfie is? Okay, I'm going to take one. All right. Now I want you to pay really close attention. A selfie is when you take a picture of yourself. Okay? That was a good one. You know what? It really wasn't. How about this? I like that one better. Now, now I want to show you something real quick. I took the first one, and I said, oh, I didn't like that. Let me send the second one. Why? Because it makes me look better you edit everything. Women that struggle with body image or guys that struggle with body image, you should just put a blindfold on and walk through the aisle to go to the grocery store cashier because every single picture on either side of you and you see these supermodels, guess what? If you got their phone number and called them, they themselves would like to look like they look on that magazine. Everything's edited. Everything's photoshopped. We're lied to because we think, oh, no, you have to be six foot and 125 pounds with a, a ripped eight-pack to be content. Listen, God never says that. But he does says you can find all the contentment you need in me. 
Stop comparing yourself to other people. My first selfie wasn't good enough, so I deleted it. Did you see what just happened? Listen, watch. I haven't posted this yet, but I just edited what other people could see. I'm going to add that to my highlight reel. You see that? Instantly comparison compared with others. I doubt very seriously, very seriously because I've never done it. And I probably guess, some of you are my Facebook friends, and I'm going to probably guess that some of you have never done this. I doubt very seriously that when you wake up in the morning, before makeup or coffee, before you brush your teeth, you take a picture of yourself, bedhead and all, and post it on Facebook. It doesn't happen, does it? You, you on social media, does that happen? No, it's, everything's edited. Does everybody wake up the same? Yeah, pretty close, you know? You, you probably think the same thing that I do when you walk in the bathroom in the morning, you look in the mirror, you're like, whoa. We've got to work on that. We struggle with being content because everything's a comparison. Everything's I've got to be the best, I've got to be better. Hmm. We're going to look at three areas in which we see this happen. Look at your worship handout with me. That's these three things on the side. We're going to look at the first one real quick. Look at this. Material and financial. I wish I had what they had. Now, I'm going to use, I'm going to use some hashtags now, okay? Hashtag, remember? Hashtag, okay? The pound sign, Octothorpe, it's like the tic-tac-toe board with italics, okay? Hashtag. It means... A couple words that you can say with no spaces. It's really weird, I know. To give an idea of what you're doing. So here's, here's my deal. Material and financial. I wish that I had what they had. If we have the best new thing. If we just got, watch this. I just got my new boat. Post it. Hashtag catfish smasher. You are, you're all laughing, but you understand that this happens every day, doesn't it? Every day. Now watch this one. Check out my new car. Hashtag rolling. We compare material and financial things. I wish I had what they had. If you look in Exodus chapter 20, this, the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses, guess what? Thou shalt not covet. You should be content with what God has given you. Oh, this is not a new rule. This is not a new rule. We want to say, check out my new car. Hashtag rolling. How about this one? You know, you know the couple, brand new married couple. And they get the picture taken in front of their huge new house. Look at our new house. Hashtag more rooms than I can count. I can tell you right now, I'm content with not cleaning a whole bunch of rooms in my house. But that came, listen, that came from me seeking to be content with what God has given me. Used to, it was like, Mary, let's just spend a stupid amount of money and get a big house. And then I help her with housework, and I'm thinking, I'm good with that. No, I don't want to help clean a house this big. I want to be content Listen, a house, a car, or a boat, for most people, are not everyday purchases. 
But when we scroll through Facebook in our mind, it registers, all they do is get new stuff, doesn't it? We have trouble with this. We compare ourselves to this. This is how you compare it. Why don't I have a nice boat? Why don't, why don't I have a boat? Why don't I have a car? Or why don't I have a nice car? Why don't I have... Already, contentment is fading away. It's going out the window. Look at, look at the, section one, the second one. Relational. I wish I had their marriage. Now you're scrolling through Facebook. She said yes. Listen, if you have an engagement picture, put it on Facebook. It's cool to celebrate with your friends about that. It's a big deal. I got married. Cool. I find it very funny with people that, that are just now getting on Facebook that have been married like 35 years, and they go edit their profile and it says married, and all of a sudden it pops up, oh, he's married. Oh, well, he's been married for 40 years. He has to let everybody know. Now watch. You'll find these picture, this picture. Maybe, maybe you don't have a marriage. Maybe you had a marriage that, that, that dissolved, but watch this. We scroll through Facebook and we see the two people that just got married, and they're kissing, and we go, gross and we just keep scrolling in our mind we're already thinking in our mind relationally i wish i had that i wish i had that person to kiss me i wish i had that person to hug me the truth is we see the happiness that those people are experiencing and you are not and you instantly compare yourself to them See, this isn't this isn't funny anymore and I, I looked at facebook this morning and I literally looked at it for about 30 seconds. And I posted something, and I got off of it. Look at the third one. Circumstantial. I wish I was where they are in my life. How many times have you not, maybe not said this with your, with your mouth, but thought it in your head? You don't have to be honest out loud. I want you to be honest internally and with God this morning. I want you to listen to this. When is the last time that you've thought or said this? Scrolling through Facebook or social media. Look at this guy or girl. Good grief. I'm older than they are. They have a family. They have kids. They have a house, a dog, a cat, and a gerbil. And they have all the cool stickers on the back of their car to prove it. Some people don't want the stickers on the back of the car on. And that was a funny joke. But we look at those people and we say, we say, good grief, I don't have all that stuff. Circumstantial is I wish I was where they are in my life. We compare ourselves to other circumstances. We say this. I wish I was where they are in life or I wish I was as significant. You hear that lie that you just told yourself? If I was significant. As someone else, you are significant. You are very significant. You know why? I, how, can I, how, how can you say that? You don't know who, who I am. You don't know where I'm from. I've read enough of this Bible to realize this. That my God, that created all, all humans, did not take the time to make anything that wasn't useful. He doesn't make junk. He doesn't make things that are insignificant. He doesn't create people to be insignificant. If you have your Bibles with us, we are going to jump into Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, but I'm going to, I'm going to show you a quote 
Philippians 4.10, and as you turn there, I want you to check out, check out this quote. Look at this. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. You've heard me say that you're not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you, but you are responsible for 100% of the time the way you react to it. Contentment is something that you have to seek. If we look at behind the scenes where we're getting ready to start in Philippians, I want you to understand something real quick in real life right now, what, what Paul is writing here and how he's writing it and where he is. Paul is under house arrest. He cannot leave. And he is physically chained to a Roman guard that nine times out of ten is probably bigger than he is and can take him if he tries. He is chained to a guy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To you and I, we don't use any type of the word past, present, or future tense of contentment to put in that situation at all. You're chained to someone. Hey, why is he in jail? For preaching about Jesus. And he's chained to this guy. See, there is no, Paul, Paul is not posting anything. Or does he? Because there are books and letters in the New Testament that during this time he was allowed to write letters. So what did he do? He sits down and he writes and he encourages and he sends this letter to the church in Philippi. (laughs) Under house arrest. Under house arrest. He's arrested. Contentment. There's no posting anything on his wall. His Twitter status has not been changed in months. And that is an eternity for Twitter, okay? It's an eternity. His contentment, his status does change. Look with me on the screen, or if you have your phone and you have a Bible app, check out Philippians 4, verse 10. Look at what Paul writes here. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. You're chained to a Roman guard in a house that you can't leave. Are you going to say how I praise the Lord? Oh, awesome. Thank you, God. Looks like I'm chained to Phil today. That's great. I like Phil. I like Mike too, but it's not Mike's day to work. You understand that he cannot leave. We think, oh, I have to have this. I have to have this. Listen, Paul's going to tell us in a second. He knows what it's like to have absolutely nothing, but still has Contentment. How in the world, Matt, is this possible? Paul is grateful and content. In fact, he's excited that the people thought about him. They just thought about him. They concerned. They contacted him. Hey, we hope you're doing good. Oh, praise God. Thank you so much for that encouragement. <sighs> he's content in his circumstances. Look as he goes on. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now, he is under house arrest. He can have as many people that are, that are for him as he wants. They can ask, write letters to any, anybody that they want. But if you ask this guard if he will let Paul go, he will say no. It's not like you just get out. Okay, they couldn't do any for him. They couldn't spring him from jail. If they caught him, they'd kill him. He got lucky being arrested in the house, by the way. He found contentment that people were thinking and they were praying for him. 
Think about that. In your own life, even if, even if you face those battles that Jack was talking about or the battles that I know that are going on in this church right now, even if you have to face those things, will just a message from someone, a word of encouragement from someone, will that help you be content? If not, you've got to get to the place where it can. Contentment is not something that you can purchase. You want to make a lot of money? Learn how to bottle contentment and sell it. I will be your business partner. We will be rich. You can't sell contentment. Money can't buy happiness. Look at verse 11 on the screen or in your Bibles with me. Now that I was ev- not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now this is what I wrote. I wrote my notes and when I was studying this about what God exactly told to me. And you know what I wrote? In capital bold letters, I wrote, ouch. Now, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have, and I wrote, ouch. Matt, when is the last time you were content with whatever you had? I asked myself that question. You know what? I had to think for a little while on that question. And I don't like to admit that to you. When is the last time, if you had absolutely nothing, or if you couldn't get anything new or anything better, when is the last time that you were content with what you have? We have two people in our house that are really good at being content. They're almost seven and four. I'm thinking, oh, is Mary not content? Listen, Mary and me and you, we have trouble with this, don't we? If we didn't just have the car lots that we had to drive by every day, I wouldn't be tempted. I, wouldn't, I would have contentment if I could just not see anybody else's car except mine. <laughs> Look at verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Here's another question. When is the last time that you were content and you were hungry? If you drove a vehicle to this church this morning, you are among 5% of the top richest people in the world. Think about that. Whether you have a full stomach or an empty stomach. I got to eat, I got to eat supper. That's what we call our evening meal. I don't know what you call it. Dinner, supper. Sometimes you have brupper, that's breakfast for supper, we really like that. Or brinner, it's always called brinner. But I got the chance to eat with a couple of my buddies yesterday in the evening meal. And I sat down, and I knew that I had gone over this sermon, and I said, God, I want you to make this really real to me. And I begin to that meal to just speak to these guys and say, you know how lucky we are? Do you know how lucky we are to sit here and have a person bring us our unsweet tea to our table? They cooked our food for us. And all we got to do is give them some cash when we leave. Do you know how blessed we are? Paul says this. I know what it's like to have a full stomach or empty or plenty or little. Paul's getting ready to give us the entire secret of being content. The whole thing. The whole entire secret. If you could show people or sell people contentment, 
We've already discussed you would be very, very profitable in today's world. Plenty or little. Well, it matters how many friends I have in Facebook. I said, it's a popularity contest. How about this? You ready for another statistic? The average high school student in America has over 300 Facebook friends, a majority of which they've never met. Now, to some of us that understand what it was actually like to live in a world without a cell phone, Facebook, or Twitter, listen to this. You were growing up, you probably had a gang of friends that you hung around with, right? You rode bikes, you played baseball, you played dolls, you played whatever, you got dirty, you, you, you broke things, and you actually got dirt in your fingers, and you had to actually wash your hands they weren't polluted with video game controllers. They were polluted with dirt from outside. And we had those friends. Do you know that the average American high schooler has over 300 Facebook friends, the majority of which they do not know, but the average American adult claims right now that they only have two friends. The number is rising on the people that say they have zero. And the two and the zero are down from 20 years ago. It used to be six close best friends on average, in America. It's taking our commitment, or our contentment away. And we don't know it. <laughs> Listen, I'm not, I'm not preaching against Facebook or Twitter. I'm preaching that we have to understand the secret that Paul's getting ready to tell us about being content. Are you content with an iPhone 5S when the 6 is out? When it came out, I'm like, eh, I got a good deal on my 5S, no big deal. Until... My mom and dad both had sixes. You shouldn't have that. Would you, would you, would you, Mary, time for an upgrade. Then I hear from the other room, it's not time for an upgrade. (laughs) You have to wait. But mom and dad already have them. Then my mom trades it in. And I'm just cringing. Why are you trading in? She goes, I don't like my iPhone 6. She's like, I like my droid. No. No, mom, you obviously don't know what contentment is because contentment can only be spelled A-P-P-L-E. And some of you are thinking, this is not... You can put this into your own life however you want. Contentment has to be something that you intentionally seek to have from God. And Paul, oh, Paul is getting ready to tell us the secret. Some people claim that they did not have any real friends. Think about that. How content would you be without friends? Let me tell you right now. I would not be where I am right now, spiritually, mentally, or physically, without my friends. But I wouldn't be and have a prayer to be at any of those places where I am today without God. God is my contentment. But the people, listen, that claim to have no friends... Now, this is not a scientifically researched thing. This is my own opinion. But could this be caused, the zero friend, but could it be caused from discontentment and people finding themselves to themselves from being depressed about scrolling on social media? Could that be be a symptom? Could that be something that causes this? Some of you are, I don't think so. How about this? Scroll through Facebook, scroll through Facebook. They got another house. Unfriend. If you unfriend all your friends, you don't have any. And sometimes we can do that without hitting unfriend. 
Paul shows us this. Here's a secret. I want everybody to read this screen with me loud. Go ahead to the next one. I want you to read this with me as loud as you can. Ready? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Nope, louder. One more time. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I want to ask you another question. Did you believe what you just said, or were you just reciting that because you knew what it was? Oh, this is the secret. This is it. This is the secret to so many problems and to so many things in this world. This is it. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can you be content without having an iPhone 6, Matt? These are the questions that I got asked this week. Matt, can you be content with not having that brand new set of steak knives? Hmm. My dad's a butcher. Sharp knives are important to me. I know how to use them. Can you be content with waiting to go on vacation until next year and then really getting to enjoy why you save the money and you get to do everything that you want to do? Or are you going to not be content, take all the money, scrape, sell whatever you need to do just to do it now because you want to do it now to satisfy your own contentment? Matt, would you serve me if you had nothing? That's what God asked me. This: Would you serve me if I gave you nothing but challenge? I read a sermon this week that really got my attention about God telling us we need to be happy. Nowhere does he do that. <laughs> Some of you are going to argue with it. He doesn't. Because in Luke, that's the, that's the reference that the preacher made, in Luke, when, when the disciples say, now Jesus, when are we going to be happy? He said, oh, you should be happy when bad things happen. What? But God, literally, in my time spent with him this week, he said, would you serve me if I was all that you had? Would you be content if I was all that you had? Then he said this, what if you didn't have a truck? What if you didn't have a family? If I was all you had, could you be content? Paul shows us. He writes. This is his words. He's the I. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, coming from a dude that was physically chained to a person. He knew, the guard knew, everybody else knew, that as soon as they released Paul, what was he going to do? He was going to preach more. It ended up ending his life. He gave his life. Can you be content if Jesus is all you have? Here's the deal. The answer is yes. Why? Because three words. Ready? I want you to write this. Some of you need to write this down. Some of you need to put this on your agenda. It's okay. Use it right now. Put it on your calendar. Maybe this needs to be a reminder at 6 o'clock in the morning, every morning when you wake up. You need to hear these three words. You ready? Jesus is enough. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Jesus is enough for us to be content. Matt, would you be happy if you never shot another deer in your life? Hmm. I'd have a hard time with that. But what if God asked you, would you be happy if you could never go buy another pair of new shoes again? Ooh, don't say that. And you'd be content if Jesus was all you had. When we fall into this trap of thinking we cannot be content, we often find ourselves this attitude that we're going to see right here. Look at James 3, 14. For sake of time, don't turn your Bible. Just check it on the screen. Jot it down. It's in your worship handout. You can re- read over that this week. 
You get this attitude, listen to this, in 14. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. I don't do that. I just deleted. I just edited the first selfie that I took because it didn't show what I wanted to show. How many times have you taken family pictures? Don't groan. We have people that do that for a living in this city. Family pictures, and they do a really good job. But listen, how many times have you taken a picture or a family picture and, and you, or a baseball picture and it's really hot? They usually take them after the game. It's awful. But you're, you're sitting there, and they go, and they go, one, two, three, and they take it, and then the, guy, the person looks back and goes, oh, no, 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 need another one. Oh. Why do we want another one? So it can look the best that it can to look the best that it can. We embellish stories. We edit our selfies. I was going to show you a video. There's a, there's a video of, a, of an Asian woman, and she's nearing 100 years old, and they did this completely on purpose with her permission. And they took her picture with Photoshop, just like they do on all the magazine stuff, and they made her look like she was 18 years old again. Same picture. Just, just go look at Photoshop, just photo editing on YouTube. Just look it up. It'll blow your mind. It takes this picture. We're not portraying the truth. We're not portraying the real stuff. But we cover it up with our boasting and our lying. This is going to make a whole lot of sense to you that like to fish. I have some friends that I would pretty much guarantee you the fish that they said was five pounds was not close to five pounds. Now, if you know how to work a camera, if I'm taking a selfie with a big bass that I caught, you know, I'm like this. Look at, see how the big it is in my face? Do you know that when I've been a part of a camp where they shot some bears, do you know if the bear's small, where you take that picture? You put the bear up on a rock and you sit behind its hind quarter and they take a picture from the ground and they shoot it up and all of a sudden a 100-pound bear looks like it's 500 pounds. You're not getting the truth. See this? We do this with our life. We say, no, 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 prop me up. <clears throat> prop me up. Take this picture from here. It's my best. Listen, have you heard this? Don't take a picture from that. It's not my good side. That's been around a long time. But we edit this stuff. Look at verse 15. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Whoa. He doesn't play with words. James is not playing with words here. He says jealousy and selfish, selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Those things are, are earthly. They're of this world. They're not spiritual. They're not of God. In fact, they are from Satan. They are demonic. Destructive. Demonic. Look at verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. We find this evil in one word in Facebook. I'm guilty of this. I'm in the same boat as you. Do not leave this church saying, well, that was a condemning sermon. I wish he would have taken a couple pills of his own medicine. I have. It's this four-letter word, E-N-V-Y. You cannot be content and be envious at the same time. You can't. Envy will rule your life, and envy is not of God. It is demonic. Listen, that's a harsh word. 
It's of the devil. It's not of God. This is, a, this is a definition of envy that I found. Watch this. Envy is resenting God's goodness in others' life and ignoring the good things in yours. Oh, they got a better house than I do. They got this. They got this. Instead of doing that, when you put your phone down, I got a dose of this all week. I caught myself last night on Facebook going, Mary, if we could just do this, if we could just do this. So I sought contentment in something else besides Facebook. She goes, just shut Facebook off. I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And I got a whole lot of a contentment last night when I said, God, I'm sorry for not being thankful in my life. And I started walking around my house. And I did this. I thank you, God, as I'm walking across my floor that I'm not falling through it. God, I think that we have napkins at our house. Let's think about it. When was the last time you asked God and thank God for napkins? It's not a big deal. Went to the bathroom. Looking in the bathroom. Thank you, God, we have a shower with running water. Thank you, God, that we have the ability to buy toilet paper. Think about that one. Contentment. Hey, contentment. We need to learn today to do something that is going to be completely on the other side for us. But think about this. We need to learn today that we should celebrate in others' successes. I heard, a, I heard a story of a pastor this week who's a pastor of a very, very large, large, large church. Large church. Many, many, many church plant branches of it. Large church. And he says, admittingly, he says, I would drive around town and I would always go by this church that would have like eight or ten cars when they had service. And he goes, I just pray this silly prayer. Oh God, I just pray that you bless them and pray that you do this. And he goes, as soon as I would say amen, I would, I would almost, in my head, Literally out loud say, God, we don't have just eight cars. They have many, many more. They have 800 cars in a service. He said, God spoke to me almost instantly and he said this, would you be content if I had you be the pastor of that church with eight cars and not the one that you're pastor of? See, we need to learn to be content to celebrate with others. If you have your worship hand out, check this one out. In order to be content, here I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue. In order to be content in your life, you will have to kill comparison and cultivate gratitude. This is how I did. Andy Stanley. Anybody heard him? If you haven't heard of Andy Stanley, you've heard of his dad, Charles. First Baptist Church in Atlanta. Also, not eight cars. Maybe 8,000 cars. Listen, kill comparisons and cultivate gratitude. I practiced this yesterday. Listen, this sermon is working on me all week. A buddy of mine got a new vehicle. Watch this. They had saved up a long time. They did some Dave Ramsey. They were very godly in their, in their money. And they bought a, not new, but they bought a Suburban. Decked out. Leather. Man, it's nice. 
he shows up, we eat dinner, and he rolls up, and I jump out of my truck. The first thing he says, he goes, do you clean your truck every day? That's what he said. Do you clean your truck every day? I said, no, not every day. Some days I have to do other things. <laughs> I try to take care. I'm content with what God has given me. But listen, my buddy and his wife spent, spent this money that they had saved up, and they have no car payment, and they bought an awesome vehicle. And I jumped out, and I ran across the parking space to him, and I gave him a huge hug, and I said, I'm so proud of what you guys did with your money and what you allowed God to do with your money, and look at the blessings in your life. It was in the middle of the parking lot. If you, people are driving by going, he is weird. He's hugging this guy, number one. I almost got emotional. Man, I'm so proud of you. It is so awesome. I know that in his life, money has been a struggle before, just like it's been in my life. And I was able to cultivate that gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you for letting my buddy do this. See, it's not about the likes on our picture or our status. We live in a world, next week we're going to talk about this, we live in a world that needs instant affirmation right now. I've got to have 100 likes or my picture is not popular. I've got to have 200 likes on this deer or I've got to shoot a bigger one. Contentment goes away. It goes out the door. It's not about the likes. Jesus Christ brings contentment when you realize what he's done for you. When you realize that walking across your house in the middle of the night and stepping on a Lego might be one of the most painful experiences in the world. But realize without your kids, you don't have that Lego in the floor. That's the cultivating of gratitude. Look at the screen. Look at Proverbs 15, 15. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Think about that. You want to mope around, be despondent, just kind of, I'm not thankful, I'm not content. Every day brings trouble. (laughs) Without naming names, without posting on their wall, you know who these people are. Every day there's something else wrong. They never have it as good. Listen, I choose to be exceptionally wise with what I put on Facebook. I ask my wife sometimes, is this okay to put on Facebook? And she goes, that's like scripture. Yeah, that's okay. I said, well, if I put that on there, will somebody find that I'm trying to be pointy towards them? No, I think you're good. I I, I do this. You can ask her. I I run this stuff by her because it's important. I don't want to be a downer. Even if I'm having a bad day, I want people to understand that God has made a difference in my life. And for those happy people... If anybody in here met my friend Richard that was here last week, a couple weeks ago, if you met Richard, he is the happiest person I have ever met. You can't talk to him because he can't, he can't stand still. He's like, oh, I'm great. Today's a good day. Today's a good day. Now, what I don't get is he is a writer. I do not know how he stays at a desk to type things. I'm just so good. God is so good to me. He has a continual feast all day. God, you are so good. Thank you for this building. Thank you for this light turning on. Because with this light turning on, it shone down on this part of the stage and it added to the other color scheme and with this cool design that we have. Thank you, God. That's how Richard walks around life. And some people only think, this guy has had way too much caffeine. And when I look at Richard, I say, man, I've got to, be, I've got to learn how he does this. I have got to learn how he is so in tune and happy and content. 
Look at Ecclesiastes 6.9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. I have a challenge for you. I told you I was gonna, we weren't going to be here till 1. I have a challenge for you, though. As a pastor, I would never challenge anyone. I would never ask anybody to do anything that I haven't already done or wouldn't do with you. I've already done this. I'm going to continue to do it with you this week. Okay, you ready for this? It is my challenge for you today and this week to thank God for all he has done for you. If you need to write that down, say, God, I need to, just write, just write a list down. I need to walk through my house and thank God. I need to walk by my kids and thank God. I need to hug my kids and thank God. I need to cherish every single bite of food because God is that good. I need to enjoy every single time that I put the key in the ignition and turn it on and my car starts. God is good. You're in the top 5% of wealthiest people in the world. Contentment should not be a problem, but it's so overzealous that we think I've got to have something new to keep up with the Joneses. To quote Dave Ramsey, don't keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses are broke. And he's right. As you sit here, as you leave in your vehicle, as you eat lunch, as you are by your family, as you work, thank God be content. Yes, I do not like the alarm sometimes when it goes off at 6 a.m. and I have to get up to do the history of the church from 1509 in seminary. Sometimes that's just not what I want to wake up to. Some of you are not history fans anyway. You would really like this book. It's pretty dry. You know what I did? I said, God, I thank you that I have this ability to read, that I have this ability to see where our church came from from way back, that I can study this history, and then I can learn from what worked and what didn't work. We're not interested in comparing likes on Facebook or retweets on Twitter. We are interested in being thankful for what God has given us. When you can focus on what God has given you and the contentment that comes from there, the likes on Facebook don't matter. Oh, it makes me feel good. I'll post something about church and I can tell you how many likes I have on it. But I I do that because I want to say, hey, maybe you woke up and you didn't realize today was Sunday. Hey, today's Sunday. 10 o'clock and 4.30. Come hang out with us. We're not interested in those likes. It's what Jesus has done for us. We should be so thankful for what Jesus has done in our life that our lives should reflect what he's done. Should. You should love people because God has already loved you. Maybe they don't know that. Maybe your job is to show them that. So how about this? This is another challenge. Matt, you're full of challenges today. I did this one too. You ready? And I'm going to do this before I leave. On your way out of this building today, now, if you're new with us, this is not for you. This is for Connectionites. I'm not sure that's what we call ourselves, but we did today. Okay, Connectionites. People that are regular to connection. How about this? I want you to tell two people, as you leave this place, I want you to tell two people that you are thankful for them. Two people. And you think, oh, that's easy. Wait till you try to do it. I want you to tell two people that you're thankful for them. Then, as you go home and you're by yourself, I want you to thank God for those friends that He has given you. 
You know that you're not alone. If you are a person that's experienced connection, you know that you're not alone. If you are someone that has experienced celebrate recovery or recovering issues in your life on Friday nights, you understand that you're not alone. Even if it seems that you are, God says you can be content even if I'm all you have. I'm that good, Matt. I'm, you can be so content in me. Tell God what you're thankful for this week. And before you leave, you tell two people. Now, if you see somebody talking to the person you were going to, hey, guess what? Find somebody else. Everybody needs to hear, okay? Tell two people you're thankful for them. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you so much for the ability to be content. God, I just ask that you help us, you help me, As we go through this week and we tell you thank you for the things in our life. As we walk up to two people on our way out of here and tell them that we're thankful for them. That we're thankful for our car starting. God, this contentment in this life is not compared to likes on a picture on Facebook or a status. It's that you can provide complete contentment even if you're all we have because you're more than enough. God, I thank you so much for the people in my life in this building right now that took a chance on a kid that didn't have it all together. And they gave. And they gave and they gave and they gave. God, that we can be so content in you, that our world may be raging storm. But God, understand that you have the power over the storm or to take us right through that storm. We love you, God. We thank you, God, for all you do. In your name we pray. Amen.